worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world at Lysias. Welcome, everyone, to episode 18 of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Nate, lost in time and space. I am the man from Lang, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. I am Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And this is Nathan Jester of the Abyss. I know you hate that title, so I'm going to keep using it. I feel like it's been a while. What have you, uh, what you guys been up to lately? Man from Lang. I have been uh, busy recording episodes, busy playing the Investigator Starter Decks, for some videos I'm going to make about them. Uh, they had the parallel skids, the into deep announcement, and then they dropped glory on us by surprise on Thursday. So it's been busy. I, I just want to say for the record, whenever man from Lang starts talking, I feel like I should be in like a smoking jacket with like a fireplace and a brandy, just like chilling the hell out. I swear you could have been a DJ. I was a DJ. That, well, then I rest my case very comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a DJ again, uh, smooth sounds from the Prancing Pony. And in the background, you just hear like people dance on the table and getting all shit-faced. Yeah, oh, man. I feel lately like FFG has just been shoving content down our throats after like a three-month drought. We've just been suffocated by it Ugh. Yeah, even someone like me who's been like unemployed i still haven't played skids i have i have played a lot of the starter decks though yeah it is a, it is a lot after after a three-month break but i would rather they have a lot than than none at all see i kind of personally feel like i'd rather just go back to a regular schedule or they just release a product once a month yeah um nate uh can i talk to you here for just a second <laughs> I'm just saying, like... You never, you never say that again. Do you hear me? It it just feels like... Okay, so let me... Let me just state my case here. Like, I feel like it doesn't give their products enough room to breathe. You know, like, Return to TFA came out, like, in the middle of August, and then two weeks later, the the Investigator Starter Decks came out. And then two weeks after that, they're already talking about Barkham, and they've already talked about... Another investigator and another parallel investigator. It's like, oh my god, there's so much to, there's so much to do. I totally agree with you. It's, it feels like, it feels like it's, it's just too fast. You know, like you said, Return to the Forgotten Age comes out, and there was a little hype, but no one's talking about it right now. And it's, it came out less than a month ago, and it's just because there's so many things that have come since. It just feels like way too much, too much, too fast, and. Like you said, it muddies it up. So investigator decks were there was hype, and then Gloria was announced. So now it's like the hype for the investigator decks is off to the wayside. It's just weird. Um, as much as I kind of agree with you, uh, I am all I, I'm a content whore. I just want as much as possible, and I'll get to it eventually. But I'm the same way with all the fan made stuff. I mean, I've got fifty seven fan made scenarios cut out, uh, ready to go. So I get to those when I can. Um, Nate, what have you been up to? Yeah, I've just been uh, still on the eternal job hunt for the time being. I've been streaming three to four times a week on our Twitch channel, playing mostly Arkham, but I have been delving into Darkest Dungeon quite a bit recently, which is a ton of fun. Uh, let's see what else. We Vase and I started recently putting up uh, Delta Green scenario reviews, and we've recorded a couple, and one is already live. We did... 
PX Poker Night, which is a operation that sees the agents play the role of Air Force Air Force personnel at Platt Air Force Base, and that's that's live as of the recording of this episode. And then we have another couple of episodes in the pipeline, along with a playthrough that we did of Observer Effect. Vase, why don't you go ahead and kind of briefly discuss Observer Effect? Probably my favorite Delta Green scenario is Observer Effect. Because it's so different, um, I'm not going to give away any spoilers for it. But yeah, we it was uh, us and two patrons, and we recorded the first part. It ended up being way longer than expected. It was like three hours for the first part. So I think you're are you going to cut that up into two episodes? Um, we'll see. And then the second part is probably going to be about as long. So it's it ended up being a lot longer than I expected. But yeah, lots of fun. Um, Delta Green is it's really cool because you can have a, a really action-packed scenario like we did with Ex Oblivioni, and then you can also have one that's just really mysterious and um, strange things happening, very science-based, uh, very investigation-based. So, you know, it's it's cool how the game can take you in different directions and and still be interesting for both different you know aspects of of the gameplay. So that was really cool. Um, and the other the other scenario that we recently reviewed, uh, that's going up soon, you said, right? Like in a week or two. Yeah, that was uh that was an interesting one. Um, so can't wait to to get that one out there for you guys. And we have a few in the pipeline that we'll be reviewing as well. So this is probably gonna be a regular thing for us is reviewing these Delta Green scenarios. Are they fairly prolific? Yeah, yeah, there's a ton of scenarios. And what's what's Interesting is that they're mostly made by the people from Delta Green. They don't really do a lot of third-party um, content for scenarios. I mean, there are fan-made scenarios, but you don't see them online that much because the ones made by the officially Delta Green scenarios are so good, and that's how they keep them with such high quality because they're they're very kind of protective of their property <laughs> when it comes to to making a scenario and announcing it as official. They want to make sure it's it's a certain level of quality in order for them to put their seal of approval on it. Unlike other games like, you know, Call of Cthulhu has a lot of third-party content and some are better than others um, by a long shot. And, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, same thing. There's some that are officially Wizards of the Coast endorsed and they're pretty bad. And there's some that are that are really good. So with Delta Green, I feel like that the level is, the bar is so much higher and even the lowest or worst scenario is still way better than your average RPG scenario. Yeah, I think part of it is just the nature of Delta Green as a role-playing game, right? Because it's the the stories are so military-based that you have to have a lot of research done into them in the first place. Whereas, like, I feel like with like D and D and Call of Cthulhu to a lesser extent, that you can kind of just have a series of events and. Like, you don't really need much, like, background. Like, obviously it helps, but, you know, you can kind of make them more personal dramas, whereas Delta Green is so rooted in its military, like, origins that it's hard to hard to make the scenarios believable. Otherwise. That's true. I mean, even the ones that are not military-based are very well-researched. Like, Observer Effect, it's got a, a hollow beam array, and a lot of the intricate details regarding how it works and all that clearly they've done their research about how these things function so it's it feels so much more realistic and you know i've said before i have a degree in, in forensic investigations and 
the their forensic investigation procedures that are outlined and detailed in the scenarios where where agents have to do that kind of thing also are very accurate and well done and clearly well researched they they have Dennis Detweller told us that he had they have a lot of people that are experts in those fields that they can talk to as kind of consultants and they're very fortunate to have that uh, because they they really do put a lot of effort into making sure that these scenarios feel real and are accurate to the specific field that the that the scenario encompasses. So, yeah, it's um, anyways. Uh, I think there are quite a few that are coming out uh, in the future. Dennis uh, posts a lot of updates on his Patreon of uh, little pieces, tidbits, artwork for scenarios that are coming up, and so. I know for a fact there are a ton of them that are coming out in the next several months. So it'll be it'll be great to review them and give people our thoughts on those as well. Yeah, I'm particularly excited for Impossible Landscapes, the King and Yellow campaign for Delta Green. Oh yeah. Dude, that's some of the artwork that he shared on that and uh and a little bit of the teaser uh text from some of the pages in the book. My god. That campaign is going to be just mind-blowing. But uh, aside from Delta Green content, we also recruited your brother Gio to act as a writer for the website. Uh, Vase, why don't you kind of go ahead and briefly describe what Gio's been up to? Because he has created quite a bit of content, even just in the past few weeks. Yeah, um, my brother has a minor in in English and literature, and he uh, he's written nine books that he, he sells on Amazon. And some some are like self help books, but a lot of fiction as well. And he's a horror aficionado, like like I am. And you know, we um, it, it just seemed right to get him on board for the website. So he's been writing reviews. He's also a big comic book fan, so he's been writing a lot of reviews for different Lovecraftian comic books. And he will be writing reviews for books as well, and uh, movies and shows that have to do with Lovecraft. He's also just written a few articles already that are not related to books, but they're just general topics that are related to what we do here. And um, yeah, he's, he even does some short stories. So I'm going to be posting a few of his short stories that, uh, that he's written or that he'll be writing for us. I'll be posting them throughout the next few weeks as well. So see, expect a lot more content, written contact on, on our website, uh, especially articles and, reviews and things like that and most of it is going to be from geo and hopefully other people that uh that want to contribute to the website and if anyone who's listening wants to contribute an article they can certainly do so you can contact us at carolyn friend the botanist at gmail.com or you can go on our discord and, and speak with us and we can talk about it yeah so aside from plugging in all of our our recent content updates. Nathan, what you've been up to? I know you've been busy at the store. Oh, I didn't know if you'd circle back around. Um, I think that Delta green uh, concept you're doing is cool. And I do appreciate very much uh, vase, your brother helping out. I did not know about his books. Uh, now I've got to check them out and see what self-help books he can help me with. Um, I have been, of course, selling games, uh, kingdom death monsters, having the gamblers box gamblers chest, Finally release here in the next four to five months. I did just play two great games, one with a friend, Clank Legacy. And I've been playing the solo game Nemo's War, where you play Captain Nemo and you are uh, sinking ships 
to the bottom of the various oceans and finding treasure. Really fun game as well. That sounds really cool. Uh, it's amazing. And then as far as Arkham itself, I've caught up with getting all the packs, all the boxes. I've uh, been keeping up with all the fan-made stuff. Just printed off uh, Dead of Winter fan-made scenario. And uh, fun fact for ArkhamCentral.com, if you haven't been there, it's a great source of fan-made material. I'm going to soon be working with people to get fan-made investigators collected and up on our site just so once again, if you do want to try out some off-the-cuff stuff and things that people have made, you can uh, do so. So a lot of a lot of fun things in the works. Well, before we get into our main topics, our our Patreon has had quite a boom recently. So thanks to everyone that's contributed on that front, especially in these uncertain times. And our patron shout-out for this episode is John Lowe, uh, otherwise known as uh, Subjiro, if I remember correctly, from Discord. Uh, forgive me if that's totally wrong. Um, but yeah, just wanted to uh, shout-out our patrons. If you want to become a patron, you can head over to patreon.com slash Gaming, where we have... Various rewards, we give early access to these episodes to our patrons, along with other special content. Okay, so there has been quite a bit of content for the Arkham LCG recently. Where do we even begin? Um, do we want to start with Return to TFA? Do we want to start with the Investigator Starter Decks? Do we want to start with... Return to TFA. Well, let's cover that real quick. Okay. Um, so I think I'm the only one that's actually played through the entire campaign. Is that correct? Yeah. I've watched it uh, with you and also JP from Northern Lights of Arkham. He's been playing through it with his custom investigator. It, it looks... Like the explore mechanic, especially in the first scenario, um, and the uh, Heart of the Elders, uh, it looks like the explore mechanics definitely been improved tremendously. The supplies seem really, uh, really well done. I think they they made a nice little adjustment to make them more impactful in the scenarios. Overall, uh, I'm glad they didn't up the difficulty too much on most of the scenarios. I don't know that the the uh, third one, shoot, what is it called again? Um, Threads of Fate? Threads of Fate. God, my memory's terrible. <laughs> Getting old sucks. So Threads of Fate, um, I don't know that it needed any changes. I wish they would have saved the cards that they added to that. You know, they, there's like a couple of extra acts in Threads of Fate. I wish they would have saved those to do some more adjustments for like Boundary Beyond and Heart of the Elders. Um, I'm glad they didn't touch... Uh, the the one, the Descent one. How far can you go one? Jeez. Depths of Yoth. God. Man, you really are bad. Uh, it's early in the morning, too. I think that also affects <laughs> me. <laughs> so Depths of Yoth. Uh, I'm glad they didn't uh, change that one too much. I think they added like two or three encounter cards, and that was it. So I think it's literally just one encounter card that gets put into the Explore deck. Yeah, but yeah. which is which is great, because that, that scenario was already pretty much you know, for what it was, perfect for what it was. So it didn't need any more adjustments. So I'm glad they didn't touch that too much. I wish they would have adjusted, um, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the, the Yithin one. Um, 
City of City Archives. City of Archives. Jesus, I can't remember any of this. Man, this is why I crush you in trivia. I know, man. right? No, I always win in trivia. They just It's just that Nathan cheats. But <laughs> <laughs> How am I cheating? I don't control Venmo. <laughs> um, yeah, City of Archives, I wish they would have done a couple more things with it, too. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think it's an, it was all really positive changes. Uh, it's probably the best return to that they've put out so far. Uh, I haven't played it myself, but watching, you know, two different campaigns run through it, uh, definitely liked a lot of the changes. I think there were very few things that were changed for the negative. Um, Heart of the Elder, specifically the new options, you know, not having to replay it a gazillion times. That's really nice that they did that. They listened to the fans. But uh, Heart of the Elders could have used some more tweaks. I wish they would have just gone a little bit deeper in, into tweaking some of those. But uh, overall, very positive. I definitely agree with you on Heart of the Elders. I think if they had just spent a little more time retweaking those two scenarios, they might have been. It might have been a little better. I still don't really like the whole you can skip part one aspect to it, depending on how well you do in Boundary. I still hate Padme. I don't really care for TFA's reliance on boss enemies having both retaliate and alert as it kind of really limits the your options as a player but aside from that I think a lot of the changes like you said were pretty solid um I actually really liked the additional act deck in Threads of Fate and you do get an additional reward for it as well I think that was pretty interesting and the the changes to the way the supplies work was pretty cool and they added some extra supplies. And there was some there was some slight changes to Turn Back Time, the epilogue scenario, that tries to make it easier, but in my experience, it was still very difficult. Um, so when I played through Return to TFA, I used Ursula, and I didn't have a good way of dealing damage to enemies. And, you know, the campaign kind of, promotes that style of gameplay and then you get to turn back time and you have to yeah spoilers you have to kill yig but what are your guys's thoughts man from lang and nathan Uh, i haven't had a chance to play it yet i've i've looked at the the changes and uh from what i i was particularly uh, interested in what they did with heart and heart of the elders i appreciate them giving giving players an out i'm not too sure whether it's the Having not having played it yet, I'm not sure whether it's enough or how it how it impacts the the larger campaign if you decide to take the out. But uh, we'll see. But I do like uh, I do sort of like what they did with the with the explore deck rather than start with the treacheries in the deck. The treacheries are added as you go, so it gets progressively harder to explore rather than being somewhat difficult to explore and then getting easier yeah i like that change a lot too it feels much better as a solo player too yeah i i know in in some of the scenarios like um, i think the doom of esley in particular it always that scenario always feels to me like you you can spend a lot of time spinning your wheels at the entrance until you sort of chew through all those treacheries and then and then you make your progress later and then things sort of speed up as the scenario goes on so i'll be interested to see how that changes the dynamic where you're you make more progress early and then 
sort of slow down in the middle. But I think what's interesting about those changes in particular is that it really changes what supplies you take early on. Like the map, I feel like the map and the torch particularly lose a lot of value. Yeah. Because usually you're taking those two supplies to kind of quell the the treacheries in the explore tech, but since you're adding those as you go on, it feels like you're ham- like hampering the use of those supplies a little bit. Well, I think it probably changes when you use them. Um, I think you can now use them from any location as well. So that changes it significantly. But I know, like I tended not to, I've played those scenarios a lot without taking the map and the torch. And that's probably why it feels slower at the beginning than some players. But I think you you spend a lot of actions at the beginning trying to rig the explore deck. So it's favorable rather than exploring. And then maybe rigging the deck later as the treacheries are added. Because I know it's it's quite easy in in some of those scenarios just to sit at the entrance and and use the torch and the and the map to to try to get a favorable a favorable encounter deck. So you spend a lot of time sitting around. Yeah, that's that's true. I I just like in general that they it makes this it makes the other supplies feel more useful. Also, the treacheries aren't as as bad if they're coming out later because generally. You know, if you're trying to explore early in the in the scenario to get ahead, you may have a couple of things that will help you deal with the treacheries. But later in the game, generally you have more things on the board that can help you deal with treacheries. So having the having a higher chance of drawing treacheries later is makes it easier, I think, to deal with because generally you'll have ways to deal with them versus early in the game. Yeah, like getting an overgrowth on. The expedition camp just is rage inducing versus like getting it later on is it feels like it's much more manageable, even though it may not be. Yeah. Or like Heart of the Elders, where, you know, the in the non return version, if you're playing solo, like you start in the one location and you have to explore. And in that explore deck, there's only one location that connects to that. So having all the treacheries in there, there is a pretty good chance you're drawing two, three treacheries before you successfully explore. I had a game where I drew pretty much every treachery. It was for the League of Extraordinary Investigators. I literally was in that starting location the entire time because I I drew every single treachery trying to explore before I finally got the connecting location, which is, that's also pretty uh, rage-inducing as well. So uh, I'm just glad they didn't add a jello pit to the depths of Yoth because then the next time I do an event, I'm not going to have to get minor helmets and Jello for the Depths of Yoth challenge. Um, that's just an aside. I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want to throw people off. Um, overall, I, I like what I've seen, um, and I agree for the most part with what people are saying. Uh, the skipping, the first part of the Heart of Elders, I believe, is a weird thing. But um, hey, carnivorous plants suck. Overall, though, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the fact that they tried to, I, this, this of all the return tos, I think has a very distinct purpose. And that was to try and get content, additional content for people who have played the game, obviously, so they could enjoy the forgotten age even more. But then it also had the dual uh, difficulty, I think of getting people that didn't like the forgotten age to enjoy it. So 
you know, I, I want to talk to more customers. I want to talk to more of our patrons who didn't like it as much and see how that impacted them. But I haven't had a chance to play through them all yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to it, especially once we can get out there and play with more people, you know, eventually. So that's a good point that you make about how the, the intention of the design has to kind of cater both to the people that already liked the forgotten age and the people that didn't like the forgotten age. And I think, I think this return to box definitely finds a nice, uh, middle ground between the two. I think the changes to the explore mechanic in those scenarios works out really well. And there's, there's enough new stuff in the return to box that actually makes you feel compelled to play it. And it, it like, like versus like return to Dunwich, which just kind of fixes one or two scenarios and then changes some of the encounter cards. I feel like return to TFA really drastically changes the very nature of the campaign itself, which I think is really cool. The only thing I'm, I'm sure, Nathan, that you're upset about is uh, they didn't include the blowgun. Oh, we're not talking about that. I know. They added a new ally asset, but they don't add a blowgun. I was also pretty deeply offended. Well, I thought Vase would be psyched about the botanist. <laughs> Someone mentioned it on Discord, and I was like, yes. <laughs> but it's not Carolyn Fern, so. No, but still, maybe she works with her. Maybe. That's, that's a good point. Okay, so why don't we go on to the next release, which was Skids, the Parallel Skids. Is that correct? That came out before the Stardew X, right? Has anyone played Parallel Skids? I know Man from Ling, I think you did, right? I have, yeah. What do you think about him? I think he's cool. I think he, I think he's more in keeping with what rogues are doing these days than the old Skids. Uh, the old Skids leans heavily into the whole gaining additional actions mechanic that was predominant in um i'd say the core set and then uh the dunwich legacy there were lots of cards that focused on gaining additional actions and whatnot and then the the rogue class has sort of shifted away from that to more of a uh, more of a resource generation uh, mechanic where they they want to generate a pile of resources and then leverage those resources in order to uh to pass skill tests and whatnot or to uh, to fuel their events, and I think the new skids is is much more in keeping with that theme than the uh, than the old one. And I, I do like how they uh, they changed up his deck building options as well to liberate him from the guardian class, which um, while you can play him as a guardian, he's not necessarily well suited to playing as a guardian sometimes. And adding some of the survivor cards into the mix. I think works well for him. So just for listeners at home, he gains access to what is it? Tactic and fortune cards. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's gambit and fortune gambit cards. and fortune cards. So, so what, um, so he gets access to lucky, correct? And he gets access to what else? Uh, what else does he get access to with the gambit trade? I'm drawing a huge blank uh, here. Yeah, there's quite a few cards. Uh, Gambit, I'm not sure if Gambit has many cards. Uh, it's one or the other. It's either Gambit or Fortune. Gambit doesn't really add... Uh, I'm just going to check here quickly, but uh, I mean, I think the biggest change to him is that you can uh, pack six copies of Lucky if you want. Yeah, the Gambit trait doesn't add a whole lot. It only adds Act of Desperation, Belly of the Beast, 
last chance and practice makes perfect. Fortune adds uh, quite a few more because most of the fortune cards are survivor cards. But when you get to, because of his upgrade, uh, his ability to upgrade cards and keep the the level zero version in, you can actually get six copies of Lucky or four copies of Hot Streak and stuff like that, which is uh, pretty crazy. Which is not, yeah, it's not something I expected to see in an investigator, but obviously uh, the designers felt that that it would be balanced. Yeah, I, d- I totally like glossed over that aspect of his ability to to keep additional copies. That's actually really cool. Yeah, it it doesn't affect that many cards because there there aren't that many cards that qualify for it. Um, I think I'm just looking quickly at the list, and there's only basically like, uh, look what I found: a chance encounter, um, daredevil. Uh, dumb luck, hot streak, lucky being the the most, uh, I guess, oops too. If you ever played that, now you can have four copies of that in your deck if you're if you're really bad at hitting enemies. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, it's a pretty interesting change, and and uh, it's nice that those cards don't count against your your deck limit either he does start with a only i believe 25 cards in his deck and then presumably as you upgrade uh, those cards don't count so he ends up having basically the same deck size as every other investigator he just starts at a lower level because they expect you to upgrade to those to double hot streak and potentially triple lucky if you're if you really want to be lucky. So what uh, did you play through the, what is it, live or die or all in? All or nothing. Live or die is the, uh, is daisies. Yeah, I played it. I think it's actually, uh, I didn't play it very well, but uh, I just sort of threw a deck together and played it. And and I think it's, it seems easier than, uh, than live or die was. Um, but uh, I think, it, uh, I think, uh, like you have to hit in order to really uh, succeed at it. You need to hit like sixty resources or something like that. So I think if you're playing solo, it's pretty easy. Uh, it's easier, I should say, uh, because there's, um, especially if you use the. I like that they included the option to use the upgrades from Return to the Dunwich Legacy as well. So there's a few more ways to generate resources. So you've got to hit 60 resources per investigator, which I think is quite possible in uh, in solo. Um, but uh, I would hate to play it in multiplayer because I think you. I just don't think you'd be able to. Skids could probably do it, but uh, but uh, other investigators simply are not equipped to generate that many resources. So. 60 resources per investigator would be uh you play jenny preston skids and uh yeah it would it would have to be an it would have to be an all rogue group because otherwise like it's just not the the type of scenario that you could play with sort of your your typical guardian seeker rogue x type of group of of players because the others just wouldn't be able to to uh to amass enough resources to make it worth your while because I think you have to hit 
30 or 40 in order to sort of break even. I, I assume it's worded in such a way that as long as the group has a total of 60 per investigator, it's not like each investigator has to have 60. No, yeah, it, it's it's as long as you get 60 resources per per investigator. It doesn't matter who has those resources, but I would... Uh, it would be a mighty skids deck indeed that could come up with 240 resources in a game. All right. That's, that's the new challenge for anyone listening. 240 resources on skid. Let's, let's see it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. If, if skids can do that, then, then I think it's worth your while playing it in, in multiplayer. But if you can't, <laughs> then, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. I, I, I do like it. I do love the, the, the parallel investigators and the options they, the option of having an additional scenario if you if you're playing that particular investigator and i i really like how they're they're changing up the investigators i do hope though that they after they release a few more of these parallel investigators that they do release them in an official product because i think i personally tend to forget about them because they're not physical. Do you think they actually will release them in a physical product? I think they will once they get a few. I mean, if they released Barkham Horror, anything is possible. No, uh, they're different, though. Yeah, but I think that that players would appreciate having physical copies of of the parallel investigators, especially when they're going to to play at events like Gen Con or or, Ar- or Arkham Knights and stuff like that. There's a, a printing site uh, out of England as a lot of things tend to be, uh, that offers the high-quality printed versions of those. So I ordered um, Daisy and Skids from them. Uh, same thing they did recently with uh, Ronin. They came out with uh, the, the Ronin small set for Marvel Champions, and a lot of people started making money by printing those professionally. So I'm glad that some people from the community are stepping up, but I agree 100%. A lot of people don't want to touch it if it's not official or at least professionally made. So it'd be nice if they came out with some form of bringing them out eventually. Yeah, I mean, I think what they could what I'm no marketing person, but I think what they could do is say if they created uh, all parallel versions of all five core set investigators and then release those with uh their their new signature cards and each of their the updates for the scenarios that would probably be you know fit within that product uh you know they they like say a starter deck product but it would be like a parallel investigator product so you get five investigators plus their signatures plus or they could sprinkle them in with like return twos or something yeah i agree yeah just to you know and that way you could have you could have the the set of them if you if if that's uh, if that's interesting i think the only challenge with that though is the nature of the parallel investigators that you can swap the fronts and backs of each of them i think that that kind of presents a challenge from a logistical standpoint because you'd have to either print like each half separately or you'd have to print like all the possible iterations per investigator which I think would be strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's also hard to, because the scenarios that come with them. So like skids is from the corset, but his scenario is from the Dunwich legacy expansion. So the people buying this, these packs would have to own all those products. They'd have to own Dunwich in order to get to benefit from the skids pack 
you know? Yeah, but that's that's no different than, I mean, if you buy The Forgotten Age, you're supposed to own a core set, right? It's not, it's not uh, unprecedented that you have to own other products in order to play. Yeah, like the Return to, I get what you're saying. Like the Return to set, you need the core set and that expansion and all the packs that come with it. I, I get that. But I feel like this is kind of more specific. I, I do I do hope that they come out with these in physical form, you know, because I, I do like having an official card from printed from the manufacturer. But uh I don't know. I guess you're right, if Barkham's possible then anything's possible. <laughs> I just don't know how well it'll sell. Yeah, it's like not to say that it's impossible, it's just I think it it presents a lot of challenges. Yeah, and I'm not sure that there's so a bit as big of a market as even the return to sets, which already don't have a huge market to begin with. You know, for someone to do these these challenges, I think it's more like the hardcore players. Uh, Parallel Skids seems geared towards like the really competitive players that like to play, you know, survivors because this Parallel Skids is very very big on combo potential and those type of players really like investigators like that you know i mean little things like you know putting lucky cigarette case so you can initiate that free test and always draw cards for free or whatever you know like that those little things are the things that a lot of the competitive or more hardcore players that like to play on expert like to play and there's i don't know that there's as many people that are into that kind of thing i do like the idea of having different versions of the investigators and and being able to try different things out with them, but I don't know. I don't know that there's a huge market for it per se, someone willing to spend money on it. Yeah. I, I, I understand what, what Nate's saying about like printing the, uh, I mean, because you can swap the fronts and backs, but I think that if you just printed parallel skids with the parallel back, that would be enough because the back of the card doesn't really play any role in the game after deck building. So as long as you were as long as you had the front of skids, it didn't it doesn't really matter what's on the back as long as you followed the deck building the deck building options, it's it's fine. Yeah, I think the best way to go about it would be to like you said man from Lang like print them in a in a starter deck type fashion and then you'd also just have to print all the encounter cards that you would need. I think that that would that would be the only realistic way of going about it to ensure that people had the cards they needed in order to play them. Cause like, I don't think reprinting encounter cards really hampers much, right? Like I, I still couldn't play X scenario if I only had the encounter cards, like I would still need the act and the agenda cards as well, you know? So it could also be like a return to that investigator, you know, you're revisiting their abilities, but then you could also revisit some cards that keyed off with them and slightly alter those. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool possibilities out there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of, there's a lot of ways that you could go with a product like that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if they threw in, threw in a handful of updated, play, like maybe advanced versions of cards that, that worked with that particular investigator, that might be, might be worthwhile. That might be more enticing. I agree with that. But as it is right now, I don't, I don't know, because the return to, you mentioned the return to Nathan and in a way, yeah, but a return to campaign, m- most people who play the game will play a campaign, you know, so there's that whole market. But investigators are a very specific thing, you know, and so a return to investigator, if I already have skids and I don't like to play him, I'm not, I don't have any really 
good incentive to buy an alternate version of him, you know, other than, oh, I, I feel like trying him out, but would I be willing to spend money to do that if I already have skids, the regular skids? I don't know. But as Man from Lang said, if they include different player cards like the new investigator packs, then then it'd be far more enticing, I think. So that would be, if they are putting it out, then that probably would be the way to go for them. Well, speaking of the new investigator decks, that seems to be a pretty hot button topic within the community recently. Uh, before I kind of give my hot takes on how I feel about them after playing all of them, why don't you guys go ahead and share your thoughts first? Well, I have, uh, I'm putting together some some videos about the, the starter decks and primarily focus because i play mostly solo so the multiplayer aspect is not uh not my thing so much but uh having played uh nathaniel and harvey quite a bit um i can say with certainty that the investigator starter decks are not good solo decks <laughs> they need uh, a fair amount of tweaking to to make them playable in solo so if you're a solo player like me who expects to be able to pick these up and and just start playing with them you're in for a a rude awakening because they are they are lacking um certain cards that uh, that make them viable in that format and i think that uh, of the two that i've played extensively i think nathaniel's is is very focused on what it wants to do harvey's seems a little more unfocused but uh again not having had a chance to play it in multiplayer i'm i'm not entirely certain of that but it seems like the harvey deck is trying to do a bunch of different things whereas nathaniel's is is focused on just doing one thing uh killing enemies and it does that very very well yes i certainly agree with you man from lang but i still i have some I have some hot takes, I think. So why don't we why don't we let everyone else go first before I kind of spill my rant? I like the idea of the investigator decks. I think it's it's a product that people have been wanting, and you know, I think uh, adding new player cards has brought a lot of excitement into the community because the release of the investigator decks, I believe, it was Optimal Play made the comment like these are this is the biggest release in one shot of player of new player cards in the history of Arkham Horror, the card game. I think even the core set didn't have as many player cards released in at one time. So if you buy all of the investigator decks, you're getting a ton of player cards, which is really cool. And there's all sorts of new ones that interact pretty interesting um, in pretty interesting ways with existing investigators. So I, I really, really appreciate that they put this product out. Player cards are, I think one of the things that people really look forward to, uh, but that's, I think, changing, but we'll get to that in a minute when you do your hot takes, Nate, I'm sure. Um, but uh, overall, I like getting new investigators. I like seeing, you know, new takes on things. So, like, they all have pretty unique and cool abilities. I do agree with Man from Lang. These are not solo investigators. So that's that's a miss on their part because they really could have targeted us, the solo audience and it's and it feels like this product would be an ideal thing for someone who plays solo to to pick up no, i i think they can i mean i've i've played them solo and they're they're quite capable of playing solo it's just the decks that as printed are not are not uh not solo decks yeah i know what you mean so like pick up the deck and just play it solo like you just can't you the investigators work fine in solo with 
existing player card pool, but you'd have to do some deck building. Uh, but the packs as they come aren't good for solo. So it's, I do, I do wish that they would have focused on that a little bit more too. But, uh, but overall, they had, uh, the packs had some really interesting player cards. Not a fan of the, of the seeker, uh, thing going on in this one. Uh, I think we were talking on Discord about that a little bit. I loved a few of the Mystic cards and the Guardian cards are real, like you said, really focused. Um, the, the Guardian cards are, are ones that I didn't care for as much either because, and I'm a huge Guardian player, but because, uh, they mostly seem to work best with Nathaniel. So a lot of the cards in, in that pack, you know, most other Guardians are going to pick up one or two of those, but not as many. Whereas like the Mystic one, the Rogue ones are, are definitely, and the Survivor ones are definitely better for a number of different investigators. All right, Nathan, tell us, tell us what you think. Um, I mean, I think overall considering that they tried to appeal to both newer players that haven't been able to make a deck or whatever, and veterans who wanted content and new investigators. I mean, I think they did pretty good overall. Sure. It would have been nice if they would have also been able to make them solo focused or at least one or two of them be really good solo focused, but I mean, I think they already had a lot to, to bite off. Um, it does seem like they did it fairly well. We They sold out online. We sold through 40 copies of each at our store. People tended to be excited. Um, I like the flavors of the investigators. I thought, you know, it was really interesting that they bought brought uh, a transgender character to the Arkham world uh, in the form of Stella. Someone had initially posted online that they thought that people were being transphobic because Stella was the only one that didn't insta sell out. But when I did the um, giveaway for a couple of the investigator decks, uh, Stella was the clear favorite by like, it was like 65% of people chose Stella of the five, which is pretty amazing. You know, Nathaniel Cho, Killing Machine, people joked that they wanted to build a Guardian deck or a Nathaniel Cho killer deck. I thought that was pretty funny. A lot of people are interested to play Stella. I don't know if they have, but there was a lot of interest. Harvey Walters, once again, you get to play around with a new mechanic with the card draw that's been popular. But once again, multiplayer, I think, would shine better for that one. The, the concept of having the Aviatrix uh, with Winnie is awesome. Uh, and I haven't opened her up to look carefully. Is Does she actually have a chain sword in her pack? No, Stella has a chainsaw. Chainsaw. That's what I was thinking. That's pretty sweet. Uh, and then finally, we have um, the mystic Jacqueline Fine, I believe. Um, and, and people like the shenanigans you can do with her. So I'm happy overall with them. I think that it's great for content. I think it's great for, once again, just adding to your options in the community. Going back to one of your the things that you two focused on a lot, the um, concept of coming out with really solo-friendly investigator pre-mades that might be a focus for the future something that you can play solo or break apart and, and get great cards overall i've been happy with them. explode nate explode yeah you've kept us in suspense so so i feel like you're just gonna there's just gonna be another like five minutes of nothing but rage no i'm not, I'm not gonna like full-on go angry gamer rage mode uh let's let's start with the things that i like uh, so, you know, like Nathan was saying, I like that the fact that they exist, I like the idea behind them, you know, I like that they kind of have simple deck building rules, which makes it 
more intuitive for a for a newer player getting into the game. And I like that they kind of they overall demonstrate what each of the classes is kind of geared towards doing, maybe to a lesser extent Winifred, in my opinion. So I like all that about it, but I do have some criticisms. Like uh, Man from Lang was saying, the Nathaniel Cho deck is very focused on doing one thing, and that's pretty much all it's geared towards doing, which can really kind of make the deck feel like you're doing a whole lot of nothing until enemies show up. Which I think, as a newer player, you might kind of just sit around and go, oh, well, I guess I'll just gain two resources and draw a card or something like that for multiple turns until enemies show up. You know, so I think given given some of the the way that scenarios are designed, like Miskatonic Museum, for example, like Nathaniel might have just like a bad time playing a scenario like that because there just isn't much for him to do. Well, now wait for it. Wait for it. Along those lines, when I've been in a situation playing multiplayer where um, Guardian, in this case, let's say Nathaniel Cho, is waiting to set up, is waiting to fight. They can help the Seeker and, and other players by going around to the different locations, helping people see where to go, what's going on, setting up to be in a good position to, to help protect other people. So they don't always have to be actively fighting. I've often found them to do other very helpful things and not just be in stasis. I just wanted to add that two cents. Sure, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. I think specifically with Nathaniel, though, the way you build his deck... Like you're you're so reliant on card draw and resource generation because of his the nature of wanting to play events over assets. It kind of shoehorns you into this one one deck building like route and you're you're kind of forced to do it to a lesser extent. Like you as Nathaniel, you want to play the boxing gloves and you wanna have safeguard out pretty much like at the beginning of the game. And maybe to a lesser extent relentless, but I think when when Manistrophic and I played Nathaniel and Winifred, we didn't find Relentless to be very useful. And there were definitely a lot of turns where he would just kind of draw a couple cards, gain a resource, end his turn. So I, I just think it can kind of paint this sort of less than compelling uh, image of Guardians, where I feel like Guardians are very interesting. Like they have a mix of like Carolyn and Roland that are all kind of, they do multiple different things. Uh, Winifred's deck is odd to me, so it feels like it's very split on what it wants to do. There's some cards that kind of interact with dealing damage, like you have Switchblade, you have the Mauser, you have Sharpshooter, and you have the Beretta, I believe. And, you know, those kind of all gear towards, like, punching and killing enemies. But then you have this other aspect, since she has 5 agility, where you kind of want to evade enemies... And that's all well and good, but it feels very split in its focus, and neither of them are particularly good, in my experience. The other thing that kind of really bothers me about Winifred's deck is that there's only four skill cards, five if you include her, uh, if you include her signature card. So she has literally almost zero way of dealing with willpower treachery cards. So when I played through the Gathering and Midnight Masks. I got stuck with a Frozen in Fear and had absolutely zero way of getting rid of it. Yeah, I noticed that about the 
the Nathaniel deck as well. It's I mean they they go they go so all in on what they're trying to do that like Nathaniel has I think I counted five cards in his deck or maybe it was eight with one agility icon a piece. So if he gets tagged by something, he has virtually no way of passing it. Whereas if they had included a card like take the initiative, that would have given him some options. So I feel like if you were a new player who picked up the Nathaniel deck and just played and then got hit by not just, you know, an agility treachery, but there are quite a few agility tests on on agenda and act cards as well. Like if you're playing curtain call, for example, Nathaniel has a very bad time once you once you advance the act because he just doesn't have the agility to deal with the movement and then he doesn't have any agility uh, icons really any agility icons in his deck to to deal with them so he sort of gets stuck and i think i noticed the same thing about winifred where she she just i mean they they give her one willpower and then absolutely no way of dealing with willpower treacheries which make up most of the encounter deck. yeah so it's just like like I was stuck with frozen in fear for I think it was seriously like seven or eight turns. And it's just like moments like that just feel frustrating when you just pick up the deck and play it, which, you know, I think is kind of the intention, right? Like they, they even include like upgrade cards for it. So I think they do intend for people to pick these up and just play them out of the box. And moments like that, I feel just really kind of sour one's experience to the game. But going into Jacqueline and Stella, I actually felt like those decks were the most balanced in what they wanted to do. Uh, Jacqueline in particular was actually very enjoyable to play right out of the box. Um, you know, she suffers from the classic mystic problem of you you need your assets in play early in the game to be able to do, you know, like enemy management and investigating pretty competently. But she does have three intellect, and she does actually have cards that interact well with her with her ability, like Voice of Raw and uh, the Scrying Mirror and things like that, that actually feel really interesting to play around with. Um, and she's also great for someone like me in particular that likes to draw nothing but auto-fail tokens. So so Jacqueline, I think, is my favorite overall. And Stella was, I, like, she was fine. Not Jacqueline fine, but, you know, like, the deck didn't feel like it was lacking anything, per se. I do kind of wish... She had just like one or two more ways of killing enemies. Because when I played through the gathering, it ended up getting to the point where I just needed like one or two more, one or two more ammo to just be able to deal with all the enemies. And then Harvey to me feels like the most powerful right out of the box, just given the nature of his signature card and the fact that he just draws so many cards you always have access to the things that you need. And having five intellect is much better than having five agility or five combat because the intellect stat as a whole is a proactive stat where every other stat in the game is reactive in that it relies on having conditions to be useful. So Harvey, to me, just feels the most powerful out of the box. And I, I have a gripe with the fact that Harvey's deck has more resource generation than the Rogue does, but also has a lower cost curve and has better icons than any of the other decks, in my opinion. So, like, Harvey's deck feels 
like a step above all the other ones. And I think Jacqueline and Stella feel relatively on a same power level. And then Winifred and Nathaniel out of the box feel like they need the most upgrading. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause I, when I look at the Harvey deck, I, I feel like it's, he draws, he has a lot of cards that draw a lot of cards, but that, that doesn't win you games in itself. Like cards that draw other cards that draw other cards. And a lot of his deck is, fo- seems to be focused on pumping his, his willpower and intellect even higher. And I think once you hit five intellect, you're already doing pretty well. And he's got the the sort of he's got it seems like he's got three elements. He's got like the the cards that draw more cards. Then he's got the cards that expand his hand size so he can accommodate all those extra cards. And then he's got um, the the tome thing going on where um, he gains additional hand slots for tomes and and whatnot. I, I don't know if you heard me talk because I think we talked at the same time. Do you feel like he's too one-dimensional right out of the box? Uh, I haven't played it. I've, I, I mean, I've played him in solo and, and he needs a lot of work if you're going to play him in solo. Um, I'm not too sure in how he would do in a multiplayer setting. Um, I mean, obviously five, five intellect is, Harvey could be blank and I'd play him. It's interesting that you had that experience because I had pretty much the exact opposite experience where it's like, oh, I had an enemy. Oh, a cult, uh, cult invocation deals with that. And then I'll move about my business. And then I just you know, like you didn't need any help investigating and you had all the resources you needed to be able to play everything. Yeah, but a cult, a cult invocation only deals three damage. If you hit a four health enemy, you're screwed. Because you can't, I mean, I, I died playing extracurricular activity because I just draw a Athena Observer and couldn't deal with it. I mean, I can deal three damage to it, but I have no, like if, if your occult invocation misses for some reason, you, you draw an auto fail or whatnot, your, your game is basically over at that point. Because Harvey has absolutely no, like the, the thing about the Harvey Walters deck that I don't understand is that they while they include occult invocation so that's sort of your replacement for i've got a plan but they don't include mind over matter well they they haven't upgraded mind over matter well they have an upgraded version but that doesn't do you any good when you start a campaign and that to me seems like i mean if you're gonna leave an investigator with uh what is it one combat and two agility he needs i mean you're gonna face those tests at some point and and much like Nathaniel and uh, Winifred, like they just sort of just leave him, leave him hanging there. It's just like you have no possibility to pass these tests should you get hit with them, which to me seems like, yeah, I can understand why you would go all or nothing. But all or nothing is is usually not a not a great strategy. Yeah, I think even in multiplayer, it's definitely not not great. There also isn't a lot of compelling ways for him to discover multiple clues aside from like extensive research yeah he has deduction as he has deduction as well but he doesn't have a he doesn't have a ton of ways to discover additional clues which is a bit of a i mean if that's this that if that's the role you want your seeker to play harvey is not uh not ideal for that but when i i mean it's interesting that you should say that you found the winifred deck unfocused because i I I haven't played the deck, the starter deck version of her. I have played her a lot um, with my own build. 
And I think she's a great investigator. But when I look at the deck, uh, it is the one I'm looking forward the least to playing. Because it seems like if you're including cards like Daredevil, you need more skills. And she doesn't have enough skills. And I also find that in my experience, playing the whole succeed by two mechanic at the beginning anyway, is not it's not very good at at level zero it gets much better once you once you gain some experience points but i just find it's it's too inconsistent at uh at level zero largely because opportunist zero is not not particularly good so if you if you miss a couple skill tests early then you're just you you dig yourself a hole you can't get out of yeah what what bothers me about the winifred deck like you were saying is that there isn't enough skills to make daredevil a compelling card to play but you need every wild icon you can get to deal with willpower treachery. So you're kind of forced to play it. And then like you mill like half your deck just to find an opportunist just for another willpower icon. And that like, it just feels frustrating because you're still like usually even on those tests and then you're still likely to fail anyway. Yeah. Well, the, the difference between one willpower and two willpower is, is, very significant because if you're at two and you take if you run into a rotting remains or a frozen in fear occasionally you can luck into passing but when you're at one there is no way of passing even if you get lucky so then you've got to you you definitely have to commit cards and or spend resources to pass it and you've got to spend a lot of cards and or resources just to get even much less get ahead and so if you're taking a lot of if you get un, unlucky and you have to take a lot of those tests you simply don't have the the cards and resources to do that now i've i've played her against um scenarios in the circle undone but um i think you've got to build a very specific deck to deal with that you just can't i think i mean there's there's a couple of thoughts on on playing those low willpower rogues and the one is just simply ignore the willpower tests you just you just take it to the face all the time and i just you can't do that i just think that's a you're setting yourself up for failure because like you said you get tagged by frozen in fear and sit with it in your threat area for six turns and the the action disadvantage that you are suffering is just too great to to come back from yeah and like it, it's weird to me that harvey has more cards that generate resources than the rogue does but also has a lower has a lower cost curve it, it like like those kind of things like irk me a bit yeah as far as yeah when i looked at the rogue deck that was the other thing i noticed is that there's just there's the the lack of resource generation cards compared to harvey is is pretty noticeable noticeable like they they could have thrown in a watch this or something like that to which is like winifred's card right like watch this feels like a almost like another signature for her yeah and i mean the 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 value of the signature cards is is pretty pretty wide open too i mean winifred's signature seems to me like it's just it's just overkill it's like okay i'm gonna pass one test (laughs) it's like okay well that's that's great but if you're taking a lot of willpower tests yeah like like clearly it's meant to be like i succeed by two or more i get to trigger a bunch of stuff but like stella has three copies of her three three wild icon skills in her deck Jacqueline, Jacqueline's asset is 
super useful. I found that to be very good when I played the Jacqueline deck. Harvey's Vault of Knowledge is horrendously powerful. And Randall seems, you know, it, it fits Nathaniel's deck. Whereas, like, Winifred's is just the most lackluster. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Like, to kind of circle back around about positive things, I really liked the Jacqueline deck. I felt like that was the most well-designed deck of the five personally it's funny because mystics were a class were the class that i least cared for way back when it was just the corset and dunwich and now i'm starting to find myself liking mystics a lot more they don't feel as they don't feel like before where you pretty much every mystic like deck looked pretty much the same i don't know i i feel like now the card pool has grown so much that you have all these different things that mystics can do and uh jacqueline expand that even more with her deck it she's she seems really interesting to me i haven't had a chance to to really get her on the board with her with her actual starter deck but uh yeah she seems like the most fun as well to me yeah it's just like her her deck feels the most cohesive like all the cards synergize with each other right like like the way she generates resources synergizes with her ability to pull additional tokens and her her assets are you know, they work in tandem with her high willpower. You know, like, the the deck all just kind of, like, makes sense when you look at Jacqueline as an investigator, but, like... But not overboard, like Nathaniel, where all his cards are clearly geared toward his ability, but it's, like, too much, like you guys said, too focused. Or Harvey, where it's... His cards kind of synergize, too, but it just... It's too much. But Jacqueline's feel, like you said, just they're... Her her abilities synergize well with her, but they're not overpowered. They're not they're they do different things. They're not single minded to all do one thing. Yeah, and then like my other my other concern is once you take these decks apart, some of the cards in these decks are very powerful. Like cards that come to mind are like cryptic writings, burning the midnight oil, all the secret cards. <laughs> it's it's strange to me. I feel like a lot of the secret cards, once you take them out of the Harvey deck and you build your own decks, they feel the most powerful. Whereas like once once you take Nathaniel's deck apart, like I feel like it doesn't add much to the Guardian card pool. Yeah, there'll be a couple that Guardians will, will take, like the one where you um when you engage an enemy or when you start a fight action you gain two resources. Like I can see other Guardians using that card, but other than that, you're right. Like the most of those cards are pretty much best in his deck and don't feel as good in other people's de- or other investigators' decks. Right. Like like Nathaniel has a strict benefit to playing a card like Monster Slayer Zero, but like if you put that in a Roland deck, for instance, like is that like would you rather play Monster Slayer or would you rather play like a forty five or a machete or something like that, you know? Um, Nathan, you had asked who these decks are marketed towards, and I think we've kind of, kind of covered that subject a little bit, but what are your, what are your thoughts about that question? Once again, I think it's a dual newer players and veterans. So I thought they did very well as far as marketing them for sales, but once again, coming up with some way to market them towards solo players would be smart eventually as well. Uh, that was just my my quick skinny. Yeah, I think the decks are, I think they're fine. Like like once you take them all apart, you know, like having all those having all those cards and taking the investigators and building your own decks. I think the investigators are very competent. Once you 
I think aside from Nathaniel, I think Nathaniel's probably the weakest of the five just because he's so hyper-focused on what he wants to do. Whereas a lot of all the other investigators feel much more flexible and you could, you could build competent decks with them. I think in solo, I think in multiplayer, Nathaniel show just smacks enemies to high heaven and it's going to feel great. I have found Nathaniel to be very competent in solo. If you build him, if you, if you can solve the, the whole investigate problem with him, then he can be very, very competent. Um, I have played him against a bunch of different scenarios and I think it's actually, I sort of actually like playing the low, um, intellect guardians solo because you've, they're so good at killing enemies that as long as you can manage to get a few clues along the way that you've taken out the two main you've dealt with the two main parts of the game. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um like I'm not saying he's bad by any means, but I think like just comparing the f- like the 5 as uh in a vacuum, I think that he he might be the most challenging to initially to kind of build around, but but that's just my opinion personally. But it's interesting that you you have a totally different experience with him. Yeah, I've I mean, I've only really had a chance to play him and Harvey solo and and I think that of the two, if you told me which one to play, I would probably choose. I might choose Nathaniel over Harvey, but I mean they're pretty. It's it's they're pretty equal uh, as long as it like Harvey has the opposite problem of Nathaniel, where Nathaniel's all in on fight and lacks investigate. Harvey is all in on investigate and lacks fight, so you have to to compensate for that and. Uh, Harvey's deck certainly has provides uh, level zero seekers with a few more tools to deal with uh, to deal with enemies. Uh, Disc of Itzamna zero and and occult is it innovation? I call it invocation. Um, are both pretty good additions, but I mean that's the problem with with seekers in general is that ultimately you've got to determine how you're going to kill enemies over the length of a campaign, which usually means you go, you've got to go into one of the unidentified assets, whether you're going to go ancient stone or archaic glyphs or strange solution, uh, to deal with enemies. And, uh, just looking at, uh, Harvey's deck comes with forbidden tome, but that, to me seems it takes five actions before to to deal with it and the upgrades for it don't really do enough in terms of of damage like i think archaic glyphs if you want to go prophecy foretold that takes three actions to to solve it whereas uh forbidden tome takes five and uh five is a lot when you're playing solo yeah yeah i mean i think I think Harvey gives Seekers the most useful tools, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like the Stella deck, like, yeah, it has it has some neat new combat tricks for survivors that they definitely needed. But I think overall, the best cards in the Stella deck are reprints. And, like, the, the Jacqueline deck is just, I think, a home run, I think, for me personally. And then the Winifred deck, again, kind of suffers from a similar issue that the... the than Nathaniel and the Harvey deck suffer from. 
I was like, yes, they they provide some interesting options for maybe one or two of the rogues, like on a card by card basis. But on 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 the whole, I think that they kind of they definitely need the most tweaking, and they offer kind of the least yeah. to their class as a whole. Well, I mean, you can look at. I mean, as soon as you look at Winifred, and she's got five agility, and you expect, okay, that's what I'm going to be focusing on, and then you have the Mauser. And it's just like, okay, so you, you intend for me to fight things instead of evading them? Is that the... Like, that to me sends a mixed message as soon as you open the pack. Yeah, I, I get that impression, too. It's just, it's it's weird. Because, like, the Jacqueline deck and the Stella deck feel so well-designed, and the other three feel a little lacking, in my opinion. Like, as a deck as a whole. Like, not the cards individually or anything like that, because I think a lot of the cards are very good. But well, we've we've spent quite a bit of time talking about the Investigator Starter Decks. So why don't we go ahead and move on to our next topic here? This is a, this is a topic of conversation that I've been having with a lot of other community members recently, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. And we, we've kind of touched in it, on it already, but. Um, what are your guys' thoughts about Arkham, the Arkham design recently? And do you feel like it's truly a solo game anymore? Uh, I play 99% solo and I still feel like it's, uh, I haven't played all of the new scenarios yet, but I've, I mean, with the exception of a few in Circle Undone, I still, still do fairly well. Um, I think one of the things is that you've got to, I think designer Matt Newman often tries to like with each campaign, he challenges you to build decks differently. So if you take say the guardian deck that you were using against Knight of the zealot and then play that against Dunwich legacy, it may not do as well because you need to change it up and then you play it against the path to Carcosa. And again, you need to change it up. You can't, just play the same style of deck. So I think if you're willing to evolve with the with the campaigns, you can can do pretty well. I think if you just sort of run headlong into each campaign with the same deck, then you're going to have you're going to struggle. But I think the Circle Undone certainly raised the bar for for a few of the uh, a few of the scenarios where they were quite quite difficult to to beat using playing on solo and um, what about you vase how do you feel because you're a predominantly solo player too yeah i think for solo players they're thinking about them after the fact after they design stuff it's almost like they're they're throwing us the scraps for the, for the scenarios that's how i feel they, they're building these scenarios um with multiplayer in mind definitely there's no doubt in my mind about that between the complexity increasing and difficulty increasing i feel like for a solo player, it's becoming harder and harder to play this game. At least, you know, with the release, the official releases. Do you feel like that's? Does it? Does anyone feel that's intentional? I mean, or do you think it's just a byproduct of making this game? Um, I, I mean, I don't think it's intentional. I think they're just forgetting about the solo player. You know, they're it's it's fine. You know, if they want to make this more of a co-op game, that's for people getting together. But I think in the times of COVID, it's even more important to. To understand that a lot of people are playing by themselves with or playing this game on their own, you know, and playing solo games because, 
you know, that's just the nature of, of the world right now. Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure a lot of the products that have come out recently were designed like well over a year ago at this point. And that, that's fair. That That's a fair statement. But but even before COVID, I mean, I think the, the game, I think you've mentioned it before, Nate, where they've, they've definitely marketed the game as a very cool solo game in addition to being a co-op game. But um, I, I feel like the solo player kind of gets a shaft in a lot of things. The Circle and Done, like you mentioned, Man from Lang, it was that was a, a not a great experience for a solo player, at least for me. Between the, the difficulty, just being extremely swingy and, you know, beating you in the face repeatedly. But also for me, it's like the complexity. Um, it's hard for me to keep track of so many things going on at once. And I feel like uh, a lot of the newer scenarios just keep getting more and more complex. Trigger after trigger, one trigger triggers another trigger, another trigger <laughs> triggers another trigger. And then you have to keep these things in mind. And then every phase there's like, oh, this triggers in this phase, this triggers in that phase. So there's all these things to keep track of. And then I feel like lately, I feel like lately a lot of the player cards are also kind of doing that kind of thing. So it, the game is fun for solo. It really is. But more and more I'm seeing like on the Discord and on the community, a lot of people kind of rage quitting solo and saying, okay, that's it. I'm not doing true solo anymore. It's just, you know, you, you can only take a beating in the face so many times or, you know, just um, being overwhelmed so many times. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's it's not so much that the scenarios get more complex. I feel like it's it's more like the design approach behind some of the scenarios. Like, I, I think for one, uh, the increasing of, generally like it seems like there's a lot more three health enemies which kind of forces you to to deal with them in more efficient ways and then there's also it seems like you know there's there's a lot of like weird quirky things that are probably fine in multiplayer to use the recent end of the a side of the dream eaters spoilers for that by the way um at the end of that scenario you have to confront narlothotep but you you have to end up drawing three cards out of the out of the encounter deck to find him essentially so you have to spend actions to draw cards for the encounter deck to find him and you have to find i think it's one plus the amount of players so in solo it'd be two so you have to dig through you know two cards or you have to find two cards out of a 30 plus card deck versus when you're playing in multiplayer you have you know four times the amount of actions but you only have to find an additional three cards so, so there's like there's things like that that kind of make me question some of the approaches, and then I'm also kind of curious how they're gonna handle fifteen location scenarios, like what we've seen with the recent in into the deep or into deep, the first mythos pack for the Insmith conspiracy, as something like that could be very action intensive, and if you just don't have enough actions to move around the board, then scenarios like that are going to feel frustrating. Now that you mentioned Insmith, right? So they've spoiled, there was a preview article where they spoiled some of the mechanics and some of the things going on in that scenario. But, you know, back to the complexity, I mean, the, not just the difficulty in moving for for 15 locations, but that same scenario has flooding things are happening. So you're putting tokens, then there's the blessed tokens and cursed tokens. So you're constantly taking in and out of the bag. Uh, there was one other, one other thing that was happening. Oh yeah. The blocks. So there's locations that are blocked. And so you have to deal with all these different little things. And I feel like there's just so much going on. There are also the keys you have to find. The keys. Yeah. 
there's just so many things to, going on. It's just getting more and more complex. Just real quick, Vase, going back to what you were saying, uh, and then people piggybacking on that. The, the fascinating thing I found at a retailer level for board games and card games is that nowadays a lot of people are adding a solo variant to their board games. It, it's, it's interesting, though, because it makes you wonder if it's that more game designers want to be able to play it solo or if they feel the need to market the game, they should make a solo, make it soloable, right? Um, so it's interesting that you're seeing an uptick in that, but then you're arguing that Arkham is becoming too complex for a true solo. But I feel like years and years ago with, you know, the Lord of the Rings LCG, and Man from Lang could attest to this, it quickly got outstripped from being true soloable to you pretty much have to play two-handed because of the difficulty of the quests. I mean, would you not agree that two-handed is, is quite viable still? For Arkham? Two-handed is, is fine. There's a lot of people that play two-handed, but there are a lot of p- people that play true solo, though. And, you know, I don't want to have to be forced into playing two, two investigators, especially, you know, the difficulty for true solo is, is a thing. It's a real thing. So if you play two-handed, okay, the difficulty is managed. But the complexity portion of it, if you're playing two-handed, you just added more complexity to it, not less, you know? It's a fine line, and I, and I understand they're trying to innovate but, you know, I don't know that adding so much complexity is the answer to innovation. I, I think, like, making a good scenario that's good story and uses investigate and fight, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a boring scenario. You don't have to constantly push the envelope with innovation. Part of me agrees with that statement. Like, I get where you're coming from. I think there is certainly a a portion of the player base that that wants new gimmicks and new mechanics to be present within within the scenarios and like i i understand that you know they try to create mechanics that are based on you know certain aspects of the story that they want to tell within each campaign right like like explore tells the you know, it tells the narrative of trekking out into the jungle and Haunted is supposed to be, you know, like you tampering with forces that you shouldn't be tampering with, which I have my criticisms of. But, you know, like I like I, I get it on that front. For me, I think it's more that it's not so much the difficulty level. It's more that the scenarios themselves feel um, like that. There's just like too much like action intensity for a single investigator. And then I think the, the bandaid of playing two handed, just, it doesn't solve the problem. It just, it just kind of kicks it down the kicks, the can down the road, so to speak. Like, like if somebody wants to play the game solo and if they market it solo and then it, it leaves that kind of experience with people. I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing personally. Yeah. I I agree with you. I mean, I think, I think that maybe they need to figure out a way to make it challenging, but not, you know, punch in the face <laughs> for solo players and then still manage to make it the same thing for, for multiplayer. I guess for me, like the issue is scalability, right? Like, like Circle Undone, I think, is pretty egregious on some of those aspects, like Secret Name, uh, Wages of Sin and Union and Dissolution particularly come to mind. And then there's also some scenarios in Dream Eaters that can kind of leave you with that feeling too like where the gods dwell and dark side of the moon and 
uh, I guess kind of to a lesser extent, point of no return. Like those, those scenarios are very, very lengthy for a solo investigator. It just like, it asks a lot of you. Whereas like in a group, like you have, you know, X times, it's like the, the amount of resources that you have becomes exponential. So, so I, I think it's more just the scaling is a little off on a lot of things personally. It definitely feels off in a lot of scenarios. <clears throat> I think the the scenarios that people find the least enjoyable are usually the ones that don't scale well either. The other ones that you mentioned pretty much. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to, to decode here. And you know, the, the mechanics of the game are already set in stone pretty much, you know, like they can add new things, but scalability on certain aspects, like we were talking on discord, uh, say, um, you know, high intellect or, or having high intellect is extremely beneficial for solo. Extremely. I mean, to the point where it's, if you have a, an intellect five investigator, you know, you can, you can focus your deck on handling enemies and treacheries because intellect five is almost enough to, to get by without even any help, you know, if you're playing on standard difficulty and then you have investigators that are not like that. And sure. Yeah. You can have investigators that are more challenging than others, but you know, that becomes a problem when you're trying to play solo and you like a certain investigator and, and it's just not possible to play a certain investigator in, in certain scenarios at all. I think that's, that's definitely an issue. And FFG needs to, needs to find a way. And it's definitely, I understand the difficulty that they're facing on this, but they need to find a way to draw new players, but they also need to keep things interesting for existing players. So when you come out with a scenario that's way too difficult for a new player, but seems okay when someone has the entire card pool available, you know, that's an issue that a lot of card games have or a lot of board games have already. But I feel like in this game, it's becoming more and more apparent that that's, that's eventually going to be something that they'll have to manage. Like when the part card pool gets big enough, it's going to be very difficult to put out a scenario that's challenging to, to existing players, but also challenging and doable for new players. I think part of the issue is, is the campaign nature of the game where you're sort of expected to build a deck as you go you're building your deck and it's sort of assumed that the deck you are building will be good against all of the scenarios in the campaign and i don't necessarily think that's the case take the i'll take the secret name for example which is which when you face check that scenario it's it's very very difficult to to beat it on the first time but i think if you were to say, play that one first and then reverse engineer the deck to get there, you can be successful against it. The problem is, if you build a deck that can beat that scenario, can you then beat Wages of Sin or Union and Dissolution? And I'm not entirely sure if that's the case or not. Yeah, that that's a good point, Man from Lang. You know, and it really, like, they really do kind of emphasize that campaign mode of play. And I think you could even take that example and use it into older campaigns like Carcosa too, right? Like the deck that you build for Curtain Call is not going to be as successful for the deck that you would want to build ideally for The Last King, right? Just given the nature of how those scenarios are so vastly different from one another. When you have scenarios that kind of like have their own quirk or, you know, they have their own gimmick to it, it can feel like frustrating when you do well in one scenario and your deck is kind of geared towards that and then you go into the next one you just get crushed and you like you, you can't you don't really have the resources to be able to retool the deck 
from scenario to scenario. Yeah. Like I think that the speaking of the path to Carcosa, I think that's very noticeable in something like the jump from the unspeakable oath to a phantom of truth, where a phantom of truth is demanding that you do something very different from, from what you have done previously. And if you are not prepared for it, then you can end up struggling because it is it, a lot of the enemies have hunter and you you need to be able to move and you need to be able to evade it's certainly a challenge i think one approach that they could take would be to make the campaigns more thematically consistent from scenario to scenario like not not from a story perspective from but from like a mechanical standpoint and i think the forgotten age particularly kind of does that pretty well for the most part barring like heart of the elders pretty much but i think like you know those scenarios feel consistent right like i think they they kind of stuck with the explore mechanic and went with it and i wish i just kind of wish that more campaigns would do that like the you know like you were saying like path to carcosa like from scenario to scenario makes it it demands a player to do drastically different things which in a multiplayer aspect you know I think is great because it it allows players to shine in in certain scenarios but you know need help in other ones which is a great thing for multiplayer but when you play the game solo it can be frustrating that you you know you're playing a campaign and then you go from one scenario that feels fine to another one that just feels internally frustrating yeah i can agree with that i i do think um the forgotten age like you said thematically as far as the mechanics go it's it's pretty pretty in line with itself and definitely feels more cohesive i think maybe that's partially why it's one of my favorite campaigns um because yeah you build a deck on the first one and you know that deck's going to do it's going to perform in a similar way on the second scenario third scenario yeah it's i can certainly agree with that throughout the course of this episode why don't we kick it off to nathan and talk about fan-made content and and go from there yeah basically there's been a lot of uh, fan-made stuff going up recently i think last time i touched on um, local artist uh fan maker michael hawkins and the ones he did but we just had one that went up uh the dead of winter um i just just downloaded that one that's pretty awesome. I think that one might be up on the Facebook group. And then are you familiar with the famous Metastrophic? Oh, yes. Extensively so. We just played Arkham last week on stream, actually. Yeah, he did the Carn- Carnival of Spiders. I don't know if I... Am I saying that? Carnivale? Carnivale. I think either one is probably fine. If you want to say it right. But he basically took Carnivale of uh, Horrors and mixed it with uh, the new Dream Eaters... Um, so that way you now have a mix of the two and really cool. And I don't know who he had the cover art do that, but that is gorgeous. So that's exciting. And then I, I dropped earlier that I'm going to take, um, Arkham central and I'm going to talk with people that have done fan content for investigators. So it'll kind of be like going out there and getting uh, parallel versions in a way you'll have more ways to play various investigators out there. And then I'm finishing up my uh, scenario with Andrew Migliori soon. We uh, were just working on it last weekend for a bit. We met at his place out in the garden and we're social distance going over stuff. And 
we just, you know, I don't think we're going to do more than one. So we just want to try and make it the best it could be when it comes out. Pretty exciting stuff. And then, like I said earlier, a lot of the, uh, if you haven't checked out Arc, the Ar- people that do the Arkham Horror uh, upgrades on Etsy, make sure you go to Etsy and put in Arkham Horror card game or Arkham Horror and check out all the many, many great people doing stuff. Oh, matter of fact, let me give a shout out to Tesseract Games. Uh, Nick Rose there has been making dividers for Marvel Champions. And then he started doing dividers for Arkham Horror, the card game. And he came out with uh, a couple books. I believe one is a journal. Uh, the other one is a log of sorts. But um, check those out. They're pretty pretty intricate. There's a lot of stuff on there that you would expect. But then there's a lot of content in there that you would not expect. And uh, the attention to detail is mind-blowing. But um, definitely worth checking out. Uh, once again, that was Tesseract. Tesseract Games. I just printed off Dead of Winter, uh, and I'm going to be running that soon. It looks very... I don't know if anyone's done a lot with the winter expansions for Arkham Horror or Elder Sign, but it looks like it's set in that world with a lot of snow effects and uh, the grim, basically direwolf type thing out there. And I recently finally did my first draft of a fan-made scenario that I've been working on for the past couple of months now. Uh, the Exum Priory, which is a an Arkham Horror retelling of the Rats in the Walls story by H.P. Lovecraft. So if you're interested in playtesting that, be sure to hit me up on Discord and I can provide you with the files and any feedback would be greatly appreciated. I'm also looking to, at some point, have an artist uh, to commission to have all the artwork done for it as well. So if you're an artist and you're looking for some work, uh, be sure to hit me up on that front too. So uh, We're giving away a full set of the new Investigator packs. Uh, Did you say a full set? A full Ooh. set. Ooh. Full set. Uh, and might be two sets so we may have two oh. others, maybe but uh, yeah yeah there's only one way to find out though yeah so discord join our great old ones gaming discord server and uh we will be posting information shortly regarding the scavenger hunt basically it's going to be a web-based scavenger hunt mostly uh you'll be looking through different content that we make uh and the winner is going to get a full set of the investigator decks, investigator packs, and we'll ship anywhere in the world. So everyone is invited to, to always overly generous that race. Yes, indeed. So as far as the scavenger hunt rules go, um, how is, how do you plan on doing that face? Is it going to be, uh, like a word search? Are you, are you looking for certain words? Are you looking for certain, uh, phrases or something like that, or is it going to be something a little different? Uh, we'll have we'll have a hunt on a few f- uh, episodes, uh, maybe certain things, uh, certain topics, uh, answer to specific questions is mostly what we're going to be doing, and then we will also be giving specific phrases in future uh, episodes that will be coming out or future content that we'll be posting. So. All the rules and all that, all the details will be explained when uh, in our Discord server. So keep join our Discord server and uh, keep an eye on that. It'll be in one of the contest channels, and you can always ask us because we do linger in that uh, Discord server. So we'd be happy to to share all that with you. That made it sound kind of like a fart in a small room. 
We linger. We persist in the cracks and crevices. Should we go ahead and start the music for the trivia? I'll give it a lead up a couple minutes. So basically, um, my childhood was fairly uneventful. Oh, sorry. So, okay, on to trivia. I am looking at my bank account, and uh, oh, this is interesting. Nobody wants to win this week, so I guess we'll just do regular trivia. We'll go with a format uh, of sorts where the winner gets to pick the category. Once again, we're going to go with three categories. The categories are, this is going to blow you away, icons, quotes, and things in the picture. Let's go ahead and have uh, Vase. Why don't you go ahead and give me a category? Yes. Uh, I'll go for, uh, this is going to blow you away, icons for 100, please. Okay. And now some of these I might have done before, um, so my apologies for my sonality. Treasure Hunter. You get a intellect icon at the end of the upkeep phase. You must either pay a resource or discard Treasure Hunter. Can you tell me what icon or icons are on this card? One intellect icon. Okay, you can't just Google the card. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was a card. I, I, I'm like, is he talking about Relic Hunter? No, Treasure Hunter. Same thing was spelled and said differently. All right, Nate, one point. Good job. You get to pick the next category. Oh, no, wait. We have a surprise another person who's joining us. Uh, Loki said intellect. He keeps saying <laughs> intellect, so I get a point. Why do you got to cheat? All right. <laughs> Next, you you were saying what category? I will take quotes for 200. All right. And once again, I literally don't know if I just did these last time. So, oh, Loki's correct. Uh, this one is the new Ar- Barkham Horror uh, card called. Good job. All right point to Loki on that. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, I guess segueing back to our conversation of new content, Barkham Horror is imminent. We placed uh, our official numbers for content, and we we bulked up. We, we I think that's going to do well. Plus, we're going into the holiday season. so We'll also be giving away a copy of that, too, at some point, because I ordered an extra copy by accident. Uh, save me two copies, Nathan. Is my game store my game store I will, closed? I will. Oh no! I will do my best. Okay, so going on to the next question. Once again, we have Nate at one point. Here we go. How do you know I'm mad? Said Alice. You must be, said the cat, or you wouldn't have come here. What card is that for? Grim Fairy Tales. Is that a? Oh, that is a card, but no, it's not. Stranger than fiction. Anybody else want to guess? Damn it. Alice Luxley. Ooh, nice. My hat's <laughs> off to you. Matt. The black Madly. cat. Um, Nate was the closest. He just screwed the pooch on the title. Truth from fiction. Ah. Good damn. try. Good try. But since you I had kn- the I knew last exactly one, what card you were talking about. No, too. you did the- because you said a different name. So, <laughs> Nate, if you want to go ahead and uh, give us another category. Oh, man, I can even picture the card in my yeah, head. Yeah, that's too. great. Uh, yeah. Let's let's do a picture, 
picture for uh, for two hundred. For two hundred. Now this is a fun one. We're going into the um, going into a new category of sorts. I'm picking two of the cats that you get. What, what, what's it, Mister Tomlin? Whisker. I can't remember the name of the main cat. Um, you bring out the cat and you get the allies. That's Miss, not Mister. Miss Doyle. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a glass of water just a little bit ago, so I. Yeah. <laughs> um, two of the cards, Augur and Hope, both have the same vegetable. It's a pumpkin. It is a pumpkin. Look at you. It's actually really cool art. Um, great for the holiday season coming up here in October. Good job. Another point for me. I smell Nate. a rat. Uh, it also helps that I, I have the art sitting on my wall. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I smell a rat with Face, that one. I'm going to have to ask you to go ahead and step aside and watch your whore mouth. All right. Nate, go ahead and pick the next category. Uh, let's see. We've done all three categories now. Let's We're circle back to eight. We still have eight cho- chances. Okay. He's only got two points. Let's circle back to icons. Icons. All right. I thought it was, this is going to blow your mind, Icons. What's the name of the category? Okay, so then uh, <laughs> here we go. Can anyone tell me the Icons that are on Zoe's Cross? Combat, Willpower, and Wild. If it's two combat and a wild icon. Uh, Man from Light? I said combat and wild. Okay. Close. Unfortunately, Nate apparently is just Googling everything because he did, in fact, get combat, combat, and wild for three points. I mean, you guys are getting crushed. Is that up on your wall? Uh, No, is it that- is not. Okay. You're lucky, Nate. Remember that one time a long time ago when I said that my brain wasn't working this morning? <laughs> that long time a ago. A long time ago? That was like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> All right. Back to Nate. Uh, let's do... Let's do Piksha. Piksha. Key of Yeast. In addition to the wonderful marble stone slab and the key itself, what else is in the picture? Oh, well, the Key of Yeast is about, the story is about a flooding, so it's going to have to be water and an, or shore. Okay. So we have water or a shore. Anybody else? A key... Blood? That's so random, Nate. But he's going to get it because he's been cheating. <laughs> <laughs> By getting it, uh, missing it, if that's what you mean, then he has, in fact, missed it. The answer is two lit candles. There are two lit candles uh, on either side of the key of yes, or yees. Uh, next one. We're down to six. Once again... If you can get four of these things, man from laying or base, you could dethrone Mr. Saucy Pants. Ooh. I don't know if I want to be Saucy Pants. That Quote it like is. A, uh... Here we go. Uh, <laughs> seek clarity in your heart and mind. Clarity of mind? You know what? That would have been a great quote for that card. That would have been hilarious. That would have been really good. Uh. <laughs> Moment of respite. 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 Also a good guess. Respite. Anybody else? 
Um, Seek clarity in your heart and mind. It was, in fact, uh, the Four of Cups, a.k.a. Chalice of the Heart. Bonus point if someone mm. can tell me the icon on this one. None. There is no icon. Boom, base. Although, man, mm. we're lying very, very close. Uh, that was a trick question. Take I, that, Nate. Okay, yeah, you're schooling now. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so we have but there's picture. there's no pudding in the meat to pudding. We've got the picture, we've got icon, and we've got quote base. What do you want to go with? I will go with the things in the picture. Things in the picture. Okay, your favorite mind, swift reflexes. What is the person mm. holding in their hands? Two guns. That is correct. Vase. That was good. Nate, two guns to your face. Okay. Uh, what? Okay, we don't need we like to, that, Nate. We don't need to. This is 2020. We don't need to actively put guns in people's faces. Uh, vase. It's not people. It's Nate. Pick the you. next category. I will go with icons. Icons of the realms. Um, once upon a time, there was a hollowed mirror. Upon the hollowed mirror, there were soothing melodies. Can someone tell me the icons on willpower? A, a one melody? willpower, one combat, and one agility icon. Correct. On soothing melody? What? Yeah, that was pretty sick. Yeah, dog. How did you know that? Nick? Yeah, please explain. Because I played the card yesterday. <laughs> you know... That would uh, that's, add that's to the answers if he knows it. Okay. That's a good way to um, Nate, go ahead and pick the next category. Uh, let's do quotes again. Quotes. Excellent choice. Uh, you know, you knew you shouldn't have borrowed money from the O'Bannon gang. It seems like they're always looking to collect at the worst times. Hospital debts? Hospital debts, not correct. Anybody else? Mob enforcer? Correct. Nate. Oh, yes. Damn. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Nate, you get to pick the next category. We've got uh, pictures, icons, or quotes. Uh, Let's do icons. Icons. We're actually out of those cards. Negative one point. You're down to four. Yes. (laughs) Nate, you get to pick the next category. Let's do picture. We're out of pictures, too. Down one point. You're down oh. to three. <laughs> oh, my Damn. God. Quotes it's it is. Quotes. All right. Here we go. Here's the quote. Told you. Oh, my God. Uh, Wait, you already told us? No, the name of the quote, the quote is told a, you. Oh, my God. I know. Oh. I know this card. Do you? Because you're not saying it. Told you. <laughs> um. It's got to be a Mark card because he's the soldier. Uh, uh, what's that? Shock something. One could argue shock. it's a pretty shock new shock. card. I'm going to say anything you can do better. Perfect. Man from Lang. Yeah. Nail it. I, I, I knew some, it was a rogue I card. I somehow knew you were going to get that too, Man from Lang. Man from Lang, I'll let you pick the category. Is it quotes or things in the yeah, art? You can't, you can't stop this man. He's observant. Correct. We have another quote card here. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the name of the card. What I'm going to tell you is the quote. Here we go. Are you sure you want to know? There is no going back. Hmm. Um, astounding revelation. No, that card has way too much text on it to have flavor text. 
That's what I was going to say. Uh, you you finished my sentence for me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> would anyone, I was going to say, astounding revelation is not like a hint. Sure. Think chess. Deja vu? Is that what you think of when you think of chess? Quick learner? It has chess pieces on it. Oh, that's true, I guess. Think of... Mr. Rook. There you go. Mr. Oh. Rook is correct. Was that Vase? Chess Rook. That was Vase. Fantastic. All right. So Vase at three, Nate at three. Sorry, Nate. Uh, man from Lang at one. We'll, let's go ahead and have a um, tiebreaker. I'm, Dealer's choice. I'm thinking... No, this will be easier. I'm thinking of a type of liquid. Who can tell me what I'm thinking of? Tennessee Sour Mash? Um, courage. Liquid courage. Water. Correct. Nate yes. with the water. <laughs> Good job. Well, I mean, I also took two points away from you from the bullshit. You didn't know what I was out of categories. So it's only fair. <laughs> it's only fair that you won that. Uh, good job, everybody. I realized that my trivia is not easy, uh, and I literally picked the cards uh, as I have my headphones on and you're all talking. So, good job, everybody. So, wait, if you're picking cards as we're doing, how did you run out of cards? No, as in, like, like an hour ago when we started. Oh. Not as I'm asking the questions. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. So glad oh, man, I'm a what am I like reigning champ now? Like three times in a row? Uh, you established that ish. Heart, Kingdom Hearts, all that. Oh yeah, we did we did establish that. I forgot that that's public knowledge now. Certainly an interesting episode. I'm curious to see what what our listeners will think about our our thoughts about the game thus far and what we're excited for coming up. I am a little apprehensive towards Innsmouth, but I am still excited to see what the game has to offer, and Barkham is going to be great fun. Oh, also, sorry, just real quick. If any of our listeners want to send us a picture of yourselves with the Innsmouth Conspiracy Box eating fish and chips, you can send that to uh, Carolyn Fern, the botanist, for a guaranteed prize from Vase. <laughs> I, I am not familiar with this contest. <laughs> um, I will make sure that if you send us a picture eating fish and chips with the uh, Innsmouth Conspiracy Box, I will make sure Vase sends you something. Perfect. Uh, don't forget Discord. Uh, join our Discord for the announcement of the scavenger hunt. Uh, to clarify, um, you do not need to have tartar sauce or lemon featured in the picture, but that will help ensure that it is a full-flavored picture. Thank you very much. I would I would consider those mandatory. But anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. I have been your host, Nate, lost in time and space. And as always, I was joined with... I am the man from Lang, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. I am Innkeeper of Ace Odin from the Twisted Tentacle. And hold on, tar- tartar sauce is a requirement for fish and chips? I oh, absolutely. As opposed yeah. to tartar sauce. Right up there with malt, malt vinegar. Malt vinegar. Tar- yeah. Tartar sauce tartar would be sauce. Uh, larger on the inside. 
Uh, this has been Nathan from Guardian Games slash uh, Arkham Horror Images of Madness on Instagram and all those other cracks and crevices. Just or something. You know what? Okay, this is my bit. You shut your mouth. I am so sorry. I could also accept Remelod. Remelod is a... Why are you focused fine. on the fish and chips? I did it I mean, as I an like aside. The I like the Remelod too, but not the, not the tartar. All right. You, you know right, what? I'm ending on. this episode right now.